Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Double Coverage Podcast with Mac Irvin III and Sean Hoko. I am Mac Irvin III and I'll be playing host for this week. And joining me is the bitterly disappointed Sean Hoko. Am I really bitter? I mean, I showed up today. If the 49ers won, then you probably wouldn't be here. Well, let's not talk about if fans or butts here. Oh, uh, okay. But we got a, we have a packed show. Uh, obviously, the Super Bowl happened yesterday, and we'll save the best part for the end. But let's jump right into it. Let's go over the uh, – we want to talk about this last week but didn't get a chance to. Uh, the NBA All-Star rosters, the full rosters were announced. Obviously, uh, the starters – I guess let's go to by conference – First of all, let's go over the East first. The All-Star starters, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the captain, along with Siakam, Joel Embiid, Trey Young, and Campbell Walker. Any real arguments there as far as, like, any snubs or anything? Uh, you know, I mean, the the only questionable one for me in that top five for the East starters would probably be Trey Young, but that's just because um, of the, the vote itself that goes into it because we got to remember that it's 50% fan vote, and I think that's what got Trey Young the nod. But that's not uh, that's not anything against Trey Young because he's had a great year. I just don't know if he's worthy of being a starter. I think it also has to come down to there were a lot of guards that were injured, like Kyrie Irving. Didn't play the full season, so and you got to remember a lot of guards went to the West in the off season, so probably comes down to a lack of competition more than anything else. That's yeah. him and Kemba. Yeah, that's a really great point because we just saw Kyrie just come back this past week, and now he's out again. So um, Kyrie didn't even make the All Star team this year, which kind of sucks, but he'll be back for many more years to come. Yeah, definitely. So and then on the reserves list, we have Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum and DeMontis Sabonis. Um, and any real snubs here in the East? Yeah, uh, Bradley Beal. Bradley, Bradley Beal is a snub. I get it that his team doesn't play defense and that the Wizards allow, um, like, and this isn't even exaggerating, but allowing about 130 points per game. <laughs> and they put up about 120 to 130 points per game. And as part of that, Bradley Beal, as their leader, puts up 28 points a game. For me, I feel like he was probably the biggest snub in the Eastern Conference. But then when you when you start talking about snubs, that means that you have to replace someone. So if, if you had to replace – because do you agree that Bradley Beal was a snub? Yeah, he probably should have made the team in some fashion. Okay, I agree. So in, if – if we agree on that, then who would you replace? Yeah, it's hard because, I mean, you're right. Trey Young appears to be the outlier among the guards. It's Trey, Kemba, Lowry, and Simmons. You know, I'm not really sure who you would boot out in that place. Maybe take off a forward, but I, that would kind of violate the spirit of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and Trey Young being voted onto the starters kind of threw things into flux. And uh, the point you just made right there about forward versus guard, I just wish that they would just pick the best players. Like, maybe you might have a couple positions being lopsided, but it's the all-star game. There's no defense even being played. So just pick the best players, like, and you know, all around. And, you know, looking at the West, I'm seeing there are four guards on the reserve and only one designated forward, which I may have some opinions about. But Yeah, so let's get to the West. Yeah, so... LeBron James, obviously, is the captain for the West, along with Luka Doncic, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. Um, I think those were all pretty set, straightforward. Luka made it this year. Almost made it last year just off of the fan vote alone, but uh, I think Cooler Head stepped in to prevail there. 
Yeah, for me, the the West starting five looks pretty good. You got um, you got three of the best players in the world with LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. Then you got James Harden, who uh, almost went back to back MVP last year, and then Luka Doncic, who potentially could win MVP this year if he can stay healthy. But that's a big if because as we know right now, Mac Luka Doncic has another ankle injury. He might be falling into that Steph Curry pattern of having a lot of ankle injuries young in his career. So he might actually be replaced on. The this starting five. So for you among these uh, reserves, at least, and then we can talk who replaces him overall, but of these reserves, who would you put in a starting five if Doncic can't go? Ooh, you see, it's hard. So let's go over the guards first. So we have Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, and Donovan Mitchell. It's not hard for me. Hmm. I'm the guy, the guy who's putting up 50 points a game in like the last two weeks. That's the guy for me. That's Dame Dalla. Dame Dalla, Damian Lillard. That's who I would pick. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah, Dame Dalla. I mean, he he is in the MVP conversation right now. And with Luka Doncic getting hurt, dropping back a little bit, now it's starting to look like Giannis, LeBron, and Dame Lillard. So it's going to be interesting, and we got plenty of season to go. I think losing that preseason rap battle to Shaq has really motivated him this season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but did he lose? Uh, I like Shaq's tracks a lot, but I think it's more had to do with the beat than – well, he had good lyrics too. Yeah, well, Dame uh, Damian Lillard also battled uh, MB3 Marvin Bagley Jr. or yeah. Marvin Bagley the third, excuse me, not Jr. Jr.'s the dad, but MB3 Marvin Bagley the third, um, and Dame Dalla had a rap battle. Anyways, Mac, uh, let's just get back to these teams real quick. We talked about uh, who might have been snubbed in the Eastern Conference. We both agreed it was Bradley Beal. How about in the Western Conference? Who for you, if anyone, got snubbed? Well, let's see. The other three reserves are Brandon Ingram, Nikola Jokic, and Rudy Gobert. And to me, I just don't know if Brandon Ingram is what I would call an all-star. But again, it's kind of like the guard situation in the East. You know, there were a lot of frontcourt players that either didn't perform or were hurt this season. So I can kind of see it in that respect why Ingram would get the nod to be on the reserve team. But there were a lot of people saying, where is Devin Booker? And for me, that's probably the biggest snub in the West. But also in that same respect, there are, all, there are already four guards in the reserves. Can you really justify throwing another one in there and having two big men on the bench? I, I think that I could justify it because Devin Booker, I agree, was the player who got snubbed. He's the guy who got snubbed for me. And in my opinion, Devin Booker in the West was an even bigger snub than Bradley Beal in the East. I would leave Brandon Ingram on that team. I think he's had a really solid year. He's been the leader in New Orleans. Even though they struggled early, he's been the leader leading that charge um, without Zion. Now Zion's back, so that team just got even better. So I would leave uh, Brandon Ingram in there with his first all-star nod, but I would put Devin Booker in there, and I would replace Russell Westbrook, mm. a.k.a. Russell Westbrick, because oh. all he does is shoot bricks. I just saw a stat the other day that said Russell Westbrook had 21 straight games of over 20 points. Oh, that's great. That's cool. But if you're shooting 25% to 30% a game and almost less than 20% from three, let alone not that great on free throws, I don't care how much points you score. And same thing goes with his teammate, James Harden. I don't care how many points you score. If you're not accurate when it comes to at least shooting, then you don't deserve the nod. And Devin Booker, for me, deserved the nod over West, uh, Russell Westbrook because he's putting up 27 points a game, 6.4 re, uh, assists, and 4.1 rebounds. And the All-Star game takes place uh, two on February 16th. That is two weeks from now. Uh, I quickly want to go over the Rising Stars uh 
roster. I won't name all the players, but I will note one thing I saw on Twitter from Tim Maxwell, who writes for Sacktown Royalty. Yeah, he just got a shout-out from Harry Giles this past weekend. Yeah, so um, the number one, two, number one, three, four, and five picks in the 2018 draft, and that is DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Trey Young. Trey Young. All selected to the Rising Stars Challenge. Where's the number two overall pick? Oh, the number two overall pick, Marvin Bagley. He's hurt <laughs> again. Yeah, he and, is. And uh, we all know that he came back from that broken thumb that put him out for the first month and a half of the season. And then we we know that he hurt his foot, came back for one game, put up a double-double against the Heat, and now he's hurt again. And he's going to be out for at least the next three weeks until he's reevaluated. So that's a big bummer. Uh, I'm going to miss Marvin Bagley on All-Star Weekend, but I just want him to get healthy. And, and we'll talk about the Kings a lot more going forward here on Double Coverage. Yeah, but quickly, right before we leave the NBA, uh, I do want to point out the trade deadline is Thursday. Sean, do you think the Kings will make any big moves? Uh, I don't. When you say big moves, I don't think so. I think the Kings might make a couple minor moves. It wouldn't surprise me if Vlade wanted to acquire a lot more second-round picks because we know he just loves being a hoarder of second-round picks. I believe he's um, got at least 10 futures. Exactly. So uh, we'll see what happens. I don't think the Kings are going to make any big moves. If anything, they're going to be sellers. All right, moving on to NFL. But before we get to the main event of the Super Bowl, Let's talk about the awards that were handed out at the NFL Awards show on Saturday night. Um, let's just go over the awards first. MVP, Lamar Jackson, no real argument there. The second ever unanimous selection for MVP, Lamar Jackson. I'm a little disappointed Russell Wilson didn't get one single vote, but kind of got to understand it in this scenario here. Yeah, you know, it was it was close uh, midway through the season between Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Even you could throw Christian McCaffrey in there, but McCaffrey kind of faded back uh, more towards the middle of the season. Then we saw Russell Will, uh, Russell Wilson. I almost said Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson start to fade back a little bit. So for me, I thought it was appropriate that Lamar Jackson was unanimous. Yep. Okay, Offensive Player of the Year, Michael Thomas for the Saints. Defensive Player, Stephen Gilmore for the Patriots. Uh, coach of the year was John Harbaugh for the Ravens. I felt like there was a shout for uh, Kyle Shanahan in there for maybe coach of the year. Yeah, so let's let's go through those uh, one by one. First of all, Michael Thomas getting Offensive Player of the Year. He is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, you could put Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins right in that argument for the top three. Uh, either one could be the best player. But for me, Michael Thomas was the best offensive player in the league this year. Could tone it down on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, he could tone it down on Twitter, but he is my guy from the – Ohio State University, so mm -hmm. he, he's got a loud mouth on him. Um, and anyways, uh, back over to the defensive side for player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, best corner in the game. He's one of the most dominant. Richard Sherman was trying to, trying to get his way back into that conversation, but his performance last night showed that he's not on that level of Stephon Gilmore. And even as a 49ers fan, I'm aware of that. Um, so I thought that it was deserved for Stephon Gilmore as well. What Do you think that there might have been any snub between those two player of the year awards? I can't really think of anything. I mean, Offensive Player of the Year, obviously, uh, you know, if Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, I wouldn't give him Offensive Player and MVP. Yeah, no. It's so. too much. Because because the thing about Offensive Player of the Year is typically the MVP will go to um, uh, Offensive Player. So usually the thing with Offensive Player of the Year is that goes to the next best skilled player. And that's why in the past we saw, um, we saw other guys win MVP, and then we saw, like, Todd Gurley would win Offensive Player of the Year. Um, let's get back over to coach of the year. You mentioned John Harbaugh of the Ravens led them to a 14 and two record, but a first round exit in the playoffs. So for you, you mentioned, uh, Kyle Shanahan. Do you think that the award was earned by Harbaugh? 
Uh, it's a hard, hard decision. I'm going to say yes because I don't think anybody really expected this kind of performance from uh, the Ravens. Obviously, you know, the awards were awarded before the end of the regular season or at the end of the regular season, didn't take postseason into account. 14-2 uh, record. You look at the way they played, the way they just dominated teams. I'm going to have to say, yeah, he earned it. Kyle Shanahan did do a good job, and I think second is good for him. I will throw a, a shout-out to uh, Mike Tomlin for being able to rescue, kind of rescue the team season. Didn't make the playoffs, but he ended up 8-8. Eight and eight. Never had a losing season in his career, so I think I would have thrown a vote his way as well. Yeah, this isn't a knock for me on John Harbaugh. I think that um, in any other season, he would have been very uh, deserving of Coach of the Year. But for me, and I'm sorry, but this isn't my bias, Kyle Shanahan should have been the Coach of the Year, and it's because he led the 49ers from going 4-12 and last year to going 13-3 and this year. That is a nine-game improvement. The Ravens last year, they won their division. They went 10-6. and Now they're 14-2. and That's a four-game improvement. The 49ers improved nine games this year, and... We're going to talk about the postseason, too. They made it to the Super Bowl. They didn't get the job done, but they made it to the Super Bowl. And for me, that's why Kyle Shanahan was supposed to be the coach of the year. Maybe he'll win it next year, but it'll be a lot harder because he won't be able to have such a huge jump like he did this year. Yeah, but you have to wonder, is this kind of like a ceremony award for maybe getting the number one seed? You know, being the best team, being best, having the best, best record. Team. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's the coach on the best team, and, and that's uh, what led him to the victory. Let's get over to comeback player of the year, Mac, because yeah. this one was interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Now, what's interesting about this is that Tannehill didn't play the entire season. Also, when you think about comeback player of the year, you think about somebody coming back from maybe injury like Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe coming back from not being you know in the league. Ryan Tannehill, can you really call escaping Adam Gase a comeback? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a great point because he comes over to Tennessee, and I thought when he went over to Tennessee, this would just be probably one of the last stops in his career until he ultimately um, fell out of the league, basically. But then midway through the season, uh, even not even midway, but four games into the season, Marcus Mariota gets replaced by Ryan Tannehill, and I thought at this point the Titans were just like, I don't know what we're going to do. But the thing about the AFC South this year is it was so up in the air that the Titans were able to work things out. Ryan Tannehill was able to work things out um, with Derrick Henry, the best running back in the league. So that's what led him to getting the win. I think it should have been Jimmy Garoppolo coming off that torn ACL and leading his team to the Super Bowl. I agree with you. In his first ever, thank you for that, because in his first ever season as an NFL starter, a full season, because we know that he got five games with the 49ers when he came over from the Patriots, and then he had three games last year until he tore his ACL. This was his first full season, and he led his team to the Super Bowl in a 13-3 and regular season record. It should have been Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, two minutes left in this segment, Max, so now let's get into the other awards. Yeah, and uh, mainly it's rookies of the year. Defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa. I don't really think there could be any major complaints on that one. He had no. a pretty dominant season. Yeah, and, and you could have you could have thrown in a couple extra names there, and, uh, and I know some people around the league weren't happy with that, but when you think about the most dominant uh, rookie defender this year, it was Nick Bosa. Absolutely. There's not a question. Yeah. And uh, this one surprised a couple people. Offensive Rookie of the Year went to Kyler Murray for the Cardinals. Um, there were a lot of you know talks about maybe Josh Jacobs, A.J. Brown. Saw a couple people petitioning for maybe D.K. Metcalf. So, I mean, Kyler Murray is a quarterback, so obviously he's going to get that added attention to him. Do you think he had a Rookie of the Year season? 
I think he did, and this is coming from a, a spurned Oakland A's fan who's still a little bit hurt that we wasted a first-round pick on Kyler Murray um, and tried to get him to come play baseball. But he had a really good rookie year. He really adjusted and really found his own in Cliff Kingsbury's offense once they all settled in together because it was all so new. Um, so you, I would have put Josh Jacobs in that conversation, but I was talking with my friend Isaac, who's a Raider fan, the other day because he was pretty upset about it. And I said, Josh Jacobs got hurt at the end of the year. I think that was the difference. That lost time is what got Kyler Murray this award. Um, last award, Mac. Um, it's the the coordinator of the year. Coordinator of the this year. This is this is a newer this is a newer one. Um, and this one also went to a, to another Ravens coach. This went to to Greg Roman, their offensive co- coordinator. And you can uh, definitely see why he would have gotten an award like that with the way the offense played, unleashing Lamar Jackson to his full potential. Hopefully next season, you know, he'll be able to capture that. And, transfer that into the postseason but that's a different conversation yeah exactly and all i got to say about greg roman is he is he did a great job with colin kaepernick and helped lead the 49ers to their last super bowl until last night and we saw him do the same exact thing with lamar jackson this year and he took lamar jackson and i know a lot of work went into it for lamar jackson but he took lamar jackson from what we saw in that playoff game against san diego or excuse me la last year to what he was this year the unanimous mvp all right and now that leads us into the big topic of conversation, Super Bowl 54 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Not what our friend Sean here would have wanted. Kansas City scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the Super Bowl 31-20. to Patrick Mahomes, 286 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions for his effort was named Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Sean, I just want to ask you for your reaction, what lost you guys the game? You know, it was just at the very end of the game failing to execute. And I'm not going to put this loss on Kyle Shanahan. Everyone wants to point the finger at Kyle Shanahan because he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in the biggest Super Bowl collapse in NFL history, losing a 28-3 to lead. But he called the right plays, and there were just some situations down the stretch where the 49ers, they were playing a bit scared, and they didn't execute. Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders on that last that real— been- that was the last real opportunity for the 49ers. And um, I'll break it down a little bit more in a second. But th- for me, it was just missed opportunities down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there was definitely a point where you guys were up 20 to 10 where I was like, oh, the Niners have this game in hand. And now I'm going to have to prepare to talk about what happened to the Chiefs. If, but, you, uh, if you even showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but. Uh... For, okay, so for me, Mac, this game was split into like three different mini games. And we talked about the all-star game earlier and they're doing something new this year in honoring Kobe. Each quarter is its own mini game. And for me in this Super Bowl, it was like three mini games because at the end of the first quarter, the Chiefs are up seven to three and then the Chiefs get a 10 to three lead. And at that point, the Chiefs had the lead and they had it early. And that's what they really wanted was to get off to a semi good start. Yeah, because they've been getting off to bad starts. Exactly. The rest of the postseason. Exactly. Then the 49ers from that point on, the 49ers score 17 straight points and that was the second part of the game and the 49ers dominated up until that point even in the fourth quarter when when more when more uh, excuse me uh when more my my laptop just screamed uh an ad thank you USAA but anyways I don't know if we're gonna cut that but 
even into the fourth quarter, the 49ers got an interception with 12 minutes left. They got an interception off Patrick Mahomes on back-to-back drives. It was his first two interceptions in the postseason. It was a really bad stretch for the Chiefs. It was a bad stretch, and out of nowhere, they scored 21 straight points, and the Chiefs were the Super Bowl champions. And that fourth quarter was the difference. And in this situation, I I really thought that defense was going to win the championship, but the best player and the better team won last night. Yeah, you can definitely see how the Chiefs' defense stepped up. You know, we talked a lot about the Niners' vaunted rushing attack. They only put up 141 yards. Their leading rusher, Raheem Mostert, 12 carries, 58 yards. That's a paltry amount to what you guys look capable of in the NFC Championship game. And I think props have to be given to the Chiefs' defense for really stepping up in the latter half of this game. And in the first half, too. 10 points in the first half from one of the best offenses in the league was uh, quite a stellar performance from them. Yeah, I thought that it was a, a very I thought it was a really good performance for the 49ers defense for 53 minutes of this game and I thought that it was a great performance for the Chiefs uh, both the Chiefs offensive line and their defensive line. The o- offensive line really had the tougher test to uh, go against that 49ers front four on defense and they did a great job last night along with the Chiefs defensive line as they were able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo and their their ability to get to Jimmy Garoppolo is what created one of the interceptions and probably the second interception too at the very end of the game um a couple stats that i wanted to talk about is these are all going to be from espn's uh football power index 96 percent chance for the 49ers to win that game when there was seven minutes and 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter in that final seven and 17 the Chiefs scored 21 points, had 137 yards to the 49ers, 37 yards, 100 mm-hmm. more. Chiefs had 7.6 yards per play, and their total QBR, Patrick Mahomes, 97.9. Jimmy Garoppolo, 4.6. And the final stat that I'm going to present is in the first six drives, Patrick Mahomes was 18 for 29 for 172 yards and two interceptions. On his next two drives, 8 for 12, 114 yards and two touchdowns. That is what uh, makes you a great player. And Patrick Mahomes rose to the occasion on the biggest stage of them all. And he finally got Andy Reid, that first ring. After 21 years of waiting, Andy Reid finally reaches the top of the mountain. And you were talking about Patrick Mahomes. He was named Super Bowl MVP. Now, going towards the end of the game, I had started looking at potential MVPs for both teams. And I was a little surprised they gave it to Mahomes. I thought Damian Williams, that running back for the Chiefs, he I thought he had a shout. 17 carries for 104 yards, along with four receptions for 29 yards, two touchdowns. I thought he could have had a shot at MVP, but are you satisfied with the MVP decision? You know, that's a great point, Mac, and a lot of people were saying the same thing, but I thought it was appropriate that Patrick Mahomes got picked because we got to keep in mind that, like they said it at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the MVP voting opened at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and it's a fan vote. So the fans voted for Patrick Mahomes, and he helped lead the comeback. They would not have been able to come back if it weren't for Patrick Mahomes, and we got to keep in mind that those two Damian Williams touchdowns came in like the last five minutes of the game so I think at that point it was already decided if the Chiefs win Patrick Mahomes will get it and also we talked about the comeback he was the one who was able to lead them on that comeback and that 44 yard bomb that he had to Tyreek Hill on third and 15 that is what won them the game because without that they punt it or they turn the ball over on downs and the San Francisco 49ers have six rings all right so Sean you're our resident San Francisco 49ers fan and expert yep i got i got my jimmy garoppolo socks on if you can't uh you can't see (laughs) and they are and they are hideous but as the resident still got pride as the resident expert 
How would you assess your guys' chances going into next season, coming off of the Super Bowl loss? You know, it's going to be really tough because the NFC West is probably one of the best divisions in the NFL. And then the NFC Conference in general is going to be really tough. The 49ers had to have a lot of things bounce their way this season just to get to this point and to make it to the Super Bowl. But the 49ers have a nice young team, and I am confident in their chances um, to get back. I don't know if they're going to get back next year because it is extremely tough to make it back to a Super Bowl the year after being in one, whether if you win or lose. Um, The Patriots have been really the only team to really break through that in recent years. So it's going to be tough, but I am confident that the 49ers will make it back to the Super Bowl sometime in the next upcoming three seasons. Kyle Shanahan, for all of his offensive prowess, you just can't. You almost can't ignore that stat of him in the fourth quarter. Are you still confident in his ability to lead this team and get them that sixth title? Yeah, I I still am very confident because Kyle Shanahan, all season long, he was uh, really talked about as one of the best coaches in the NFL, and all the love went from Sean McVay to Kyle Shanahan this year, and that's for a reason because his offense was very well run, and they just ended up running into the brick wall that was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think any other quarterback in the NFL – even Lamar Jackson, even Tom Brady, even Aaron Rodgers, if they were put in that same exact situation as Patrick Mahomes was last night with seven minutes and 17 seconds left, I don't think that they would have won the game against that 49ers defense. But Patrick Mahomes did, and that's why I think he was deserving of being the Super Bowl MVP. Mac, real quick before we end the podcast here, on another note, the commercials. What was your favorite commercial? <laughs> yeah. I kept a document of my favorite commercials. because oh, you were ready for this. <laughs> I am. So... It's hard to pick a favorite one, but I think I'm going to have to go with uh, the Jason Momoa commercial read my mind. for Rocket Mortgage. That was hilarious. That was so funny. I was watching it at my brother's house and just seeing him like take off his muscles, and then at the end, he takes off his headpiece at the top. And then and then him trying to lift that bar and failing. Yes, was... yes. and it was just the 45-pound bar. So, yeah, that was that was my favorite commercial. He took the words right out of my mouth. Also, the uh, halftime was show was popping this the year. The halftime show was so good good shout out to shakira and j-lo and j-lo but shout out to shakira (laughs) (laughs) all right well we thank you for joining us for this second episode of the double covered sports podcast for sean holko i'm mac over the third and we'll see you guys next week